Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast, the ultimate guide to creating and living your best life. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. Join me as I speak to Timmy Dogu, the CEO of not just one, but two businesses. The first, Diamonds by Dogu, a custom engagement ring service. And the second, Dogu Management, a social media talent agency. Timmy breaks down how he accidentally got into the diamonds industry and has a clientele including celebrities like Davido. Dogger Management, his talent agency, has worked with large brands including Bumble, Dior, Fashion Nova, ASOS, Pretty Little Thing and House of CB. We speak about the future of social media influencing and debate whether influencers are the new celebrities. He speaks about the touching story behind his family's charity, the Joshua Dogger Foundation, and its impact on young people. So stay tuned in. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. I am your host, Noma Makosi, whatever you want to call me. And today I have a new guest, um, someone who I randomly jumped into their DMs and they were more than gracious enough to join me and bring this conversation to you. It is Timmy Dogu, who is the founder and CEO of Diamonds by Dogu, as well as running the Joshua Dogu Foundation, which we are going to get into, as well as a talent management agency. So we're going to get into all of the good stuff. Welcome, Timmy. Hi, Norma. Great to, great to be on with you. And uh, yeah, a lot happens in the DMs these days, but, uh, but I'm, I'm strictly business. No, definitely. I feel like we we underestimate the power of social media and connecting with people. I think that's the great thing about social media. Like you really can make so many connections and meet so many people that you wouldn't otherwise have access to or know how to reach. So it's beautiful for that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's so much to talk about, but I think we could start with whilst we're on the subject of social media, let's talk about your talent management agency. Tell me a bit about that and how it started or when it started. So Dorgan Management is a small talent management agency that I run that basically manages the business affairs of social media content creators or or influencers, depending who you are. I prefer prefer to call them content creators. I think the whole influencer um, tagline has a lot of uh, connotations to it these days. I saw a story the other day of someone trying to get some free chicken and uh, he got sent to a police station because the restaurant thought he was trying to do a robbery and didn't want to give him anything. So yeah, I think we have to be careful sometimes with how many liberties we take. But yeah, my content creators are typically, you know, 100,000 following on social media or above. And so I help them essentially not have to think about the business and, and the stuff that goes on in the background. They can just focus on creating the best possible content. Uh, And so I'll manage their contract negotiations, their pricing. I'll help them to find new deals with different brands as well. And so it's a really, really interesting, interesting setup that that I do actually quite enjoy. I wasn't sure how fun it would be working with content creators 24-7, but but they're loads of fun. And there's so many different aspects to what they do. I've helped my clients to launch podcasts and host live events. And we're looking at what we can do in the virtual space now, especially uh, the way that COVID is affecting things. So, so yeah, lots going on and it's really interesting. That's exciting. So can you tell me, before we delve further into that, can you tell me about some of the brands that you have worked with? Um, I had a sneak peek, but I'd love for you to tell me and the listeners some of the, the amazing brands that you've had the opportunity to, to collaborate with and have your influencers work with. Sure. So, I mean, my, my, uh, my clients have worked with the likes of, you know, all the, all the big 
fast fashion brands, Pretty Little Thing and Boohoo and, and Fashion Nova um, in the States as well. Uh, but then I've found it particularly exciting to work with brands that that are quite, you know, uh, different and more lifestyle focused as well. So we, I, I work quite a lot with Bumble. They're doing a lot of activity, especially in our African Caribbean community right now as well. They're really trying to reach more of, uh, of our demographic. Um, so they're quite fun to work with. They've got high attention to detail. They don't like anything to be left out or, or glossed over. So, so they can be quite demanding as well. But, you know, a, a brand of that quality and that level you're, you're always going to try and, and make sure you give them the best. And then, of course, my, my clients are often working with YouTube and, and Google and others to get the best possible promotions working for them. That is exciting. So with obviously the social media world just growing bigger and bigger, I want to say and tell me if you feel like I'm reaching, but I want to say, I guess, social media influencers, if you would call them, are the new celebrity only because I feel like these days they are the ones doing a lot of the influencing that celebrities would have otherwise done back in the day. So for instance, when people looked up to people like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian to be the trendsetters, or maybe men looked at somebody like David Beckham, who was a bit more influential for men. Um, Would you say maybe that's the way we're moving towards as they become, I guess, our new day celebrities? I think there's actually an evolution going on where where we don't even think about celebrity so much. I I think that celebrity has had a bit of kind of difficult tagline, if you like. And, you know, none of my clients would ever consider themselves celebrities, as it were. I think the phrase or the term that people are tending to use a bit more now is, is just personality. And, you know, identifying individuals as a personality in a particular space, maybe in sports or or social media or fashion, as it were. You know, you look at someone like Patricia Bright, who has you know, over a million followers, and I wouldn't call her a celebrity as such, but I would definitely call her a personality. And I think what that then allows people to do is, you know, I've been saying for the last two plus years now that social media is the future of advertising. And I think it's the future of advertising because people have enjoyed the way that they can connect with these different personalities in a way that they couldn't actually connect with celebrities. You know, and until social media, you only really saw Paris Hilton on TV or, or maybe uh, in a film or, or making a, an appearance at an event. Whereas now you can follow a personality's day-to-day life and get a lot more emotional and, and consistent connection with them. And so I think that that's what's democratized the promotional aspect of social media. Uh, to the point that you're now seeing brands. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago now, maybe three years ago now, L'Oreal, where where I've worked in the past, they did, I think, no less than three foundation launches that year across brands like Maybelline, L'Oreal Paris, and I think Longcom in the luxury market. And all three brands used at least 12 to 30 social media personalities to promote the launch. Because the way that L'Oreal saw it, they could spend maybe even less than half of their usual advertising budget on uh, personalities or, or influencers, if you like, and get more reach directly to, to consumers than if they were spending all of those millions on TV advertising or billboards, which are really hit and miss in terms of their success rates of, of converting people to purchase products. So. The benefit of using personalities is that, you know, the regular girl at home uh, feels a lot more affinity with someone like Patricia Bright compared to, you know, even uh, even a Beyonce, who is maybe more 
idolized and, and star status. Um, that, 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 that young girl might buy everything that Beyonce makes herself, but might not necessarily connect with everything she promotes. Where someone like Patricia Bright or, or I know Melissa's wardrobe has an incredible engagement rate with her following and converts a lot of her product suggestions into sales for brands as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think something that you said that's important is that we don't always connect to celebrities in the same way that we connect to, I guess, the girl next door and somebody that we feel is much more related, somebody that looks like us, feels like we share the same background, the same experiences, you know, she's a Londoner or, you know, someone like Melissa's wardrobe that you feel like you, you connect to them and you share um, some sort of similar interests and similar values almost uh, based on that similar background too. Um, with that being said, do you feel like there is any more room in the social media space or in the in the influencer market or do you feel like at this point it is very much saturated and capped? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question and, and I think what we've seen probably over the last year especially, especially with uh, lockdown, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to name any of them, but uh, even from my own friendship circle, I've seen so many people kind of take the influencer game seriously in this last year because they see it as an additional income stream and, you know, they can get free products from brands that they love if they have a big enough following. Uh, I think people, especially now seeing uh, how big someone can get and, and you know, there's a lot of, of, of larger scale content creators who are, who are even, you know, providing ready-made formulas of how to grow your following and, and get to work with brands and things like that. As it becomes more um, of a business opportunity, if you like, to be a content creator or influencer, I think we are seeing more people making that effort uh, to start at home and, and get their first ring light and, and start creating content so that they can break into that space. Um, to an extent, I think there's room for everyone. You know, what's been really interesting is brands, as they've learned more about the influencer space, they, they've, you know, come to understand that they get actually a lot of benefit from working with small or, or what you might call micro influencers with, with under 10K following on Instagram, for example, uh, because those creators actually have the highest engagement with their following. So again, they have a really good connection with the people who, who, who follow them. Um, so that can be you know, a pretty good return on investment for a brand compared to using someone like Kim Kardashian, who has over 100 million followers and only has very low engagement rates. Um, so there is room for everyone in some way. I just uh, definitely would say that there's not room for everyone to have, you know, 100, 500,000 followers and, and achieve the, the big bucks. But I'm definitely seeing micro influencers under 10K even achieving a pretty steady flow of income uh, from, from collaborating with the right brands, being really consistent with their content, um, engaging with their following on a regular basis so that people you know, come back and, and look at what they're doing on, a, on an ongoing basis. Um, and then as people go beyond 10K towards 100K, that's where you start to see a bit more steady and consistent income. But that's even that is, is a congested space right now. But, but that's where, you know, your, your fast fashion brands do a lot of their advertising. So, you know, your PLTs and your Boohoo's, they'll, they'll use a lot of influencers in that space uh, because, again, they have a good, loyal, engaged following. So 
there are different tiers to the game, if you like, but, but there's definitely room for everyone. I have found it quite interesting to see how many have made content creation a bit of a side hustle over the last year, especially during lockdown. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've definitely seen a lot more people get a bit more creative and do the TikTok challenges and do oh, the yeah. reels and the transitions and all of this stuff, which is interesting to see because, I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for the entertainment. Now, what do you think is, what's the future looking like as more people or as the influencers that are already established grow and I feel like we'll get into that, like you said, personality, borderline, celebrity mark and you've got the newer influencers that are growing. What do you think the future holds for, for that space? And I guess yeah, obviously yeah. The, the digital market is not going anywhere. So influencers presumably are not going anywhere. If anything, they will continue to grow and hold potentially much more influence. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because what I think uh, we're going to see, which we're already seeing to an extent, is um, people using their following to create their own brands. Um, so, you know, people getting to a fantastic level of following where they can now sell a product um, and, and they know that they're going to sell out because, you know, they produce a thousand SKUs of the product and they have a hundred thousand followers. So they only need 1% uh, engagement on, on their new product and they're going to sell out the whole range. Um, I think you've, you've already seen it. You know, if I think about African Caribbean community, uh, Nella Rose had, had a fashion launch last year. Um, Grace Agilores just launched some stuff as well. Um, so, so there's loads of content creators starting to look at that product or brand space. Uh, Jenny Jenkins has, has done some eyelashes recently, which were really in keeping with her, her, her brand and, and what she's known for. Um, so, so as people get to a, a larger following, I think that's their big opportunity is now to start to monetize their following themselves. You know, leave the brands out, make uh, your own brands, start to compete with the brands, if anything, and use your following to translate into product sales. I think we're going to see a lot of that in, in the coming years for sure. Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, let's move on a little bit to talk about Diamonds by Dogu. First of all, how does someone get into the diamond industry? Because <laughs> I feel like as a young person, you know, you do think about, oh, it would be great to start a business, but starting a jewelry business is probably hundredth on the list, particularly getting into diamonds, real minerals. Like how did you get into that space? What was the inspiration and how did the journey begin? Sure. Um, so similar to um, Dorgan Management, which, which to be honest, started by accident when one of uh, a friend of mine who's a content creator needed management. I thought I could help. She thought I could help. And it grew from there. Similarly, Diamonds by Dorgan was, was almost by accident. I, I designed the engagement ring for my fiance and I went around Hatton Garden looking for the right person to, to make the ring found someone fantastic and we worked on it together. It was completely bespoke, designed from scratch, a unique design. I think actually, and I might need to try and copyright this, I think Harry Winston actually copied the design that I, I created for that ring and took it to, to do their own thing with. So, I, so I'm, I'm gonna chase them up for my check on that one. But it just grew from there. You know, I, I was one of the first in, in my group of friends to, to get engaged. And so as people were coming to that point, and looking for something, they would often ask me, you know, uh, where did you get yours? What was the process like? And I've maintained a good relationship with, with my jewelry designer. So 
we actually started to kind of collaborate on some of my friends' rings. And I realized I actually really enjoyed it. You know, talking about diamonds, color, cut, clarity, color, you know, it was always really interesting for me. And so I actually started to partner with jewelers in Hatton Garden and, and created my brand as a vehicle to bring new customers into, into the Hatton Garden bespoke jewelry uh, market, as it were. Um, and, and I would then handle our meetings. I would handle all this diamond sales. Uh, and then for the production, I would then hand over the, the work, hand over the brief to the best possible creatives. So, you know, the beauty of Hatton Garden is quite flexible space. You know, there, there, there are a lot of um, kind of freelance or, or, or sole contractors which means that, you know, if someone is better at, you know, crafting a particular style of ring or working with colored stones instead of just diamonds, then I can go to whoever is going gonna, is gonna to do the best work. Um, and so the brand has really just grown from there. We've had some amazing clients, worked with Perry Shake Straighton and, and, and Mike Edwards. Mike was on Celebrity Big Brother yeah, or Big Brother Niger. And, and then 2019, we worked with Davidov which was, you know, a massive honor to get to create that ring. Amazing five carat diamond. It was, yeah, blinding. So it's been an amazing journey and, and had some amazing clients. 2020, a little bit difficult with COVID, not many engagements happening, uh, but the business model works in a way that, you know, I don't have to overinvest in the business. Uh, as clients come in, we can make sure that, that we're, we're servicing them. Uh, so, so it's been a, a really fun business to work in. And, you know, I'm, I'm now at a point where I need to decide, do I want to grow it exponentially or, or am I happy with it kind of ticking along? So, yeah, it's a really interesting time. That's a beautiful space to be in when, you know, like when you can make that decision off, do we grow or do we continue at the pace that we're at and just grow steadily? Um, now, you mentioned that one of your clients was Davido. Business-wise, what does that do for your business? And I can imagine that obviously comes with a lot of press, a lot of PR. Does that affect the business at all? Or, you know, how did that affect you in any way, if it did? It, funny enough, I would have to be honest, it was a bit of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you know, and I heard this recently, a friend of mine went to Nigeria and came back and was like, oh yeah, everyone knows you in Nigeria for diamonds and for, for Davido. You know, oh, great. Uh, difficulty being that they're all in Nigeria and it's quite hard to create and sell diamonds uh, to then be shipped across and things like that. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic client base to have. Uh, but especially right now, it's quite difficult to access as such. Uh, the, so it was great for PR, it was great for brand reach, it was great for exposure. On the other hand, the ring was so amazing that, <laughs> that it actually left people thinking that I was a super high-end uh, jewelry designer and would only create uh, rings of that caliber, which is absolutely not true. You know, I have a very broad client range when it comes to budget and, and, and requirements. So, so no, I, I do tailor to, to every budget, but I did hear from a couple of people after that ring that, wow, that was so big that I don't, I don't think you're, you're going to take my, my commission. I'm like, nah, 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 just come, come and talk. Let's talk about it. We, we can make something happen. Um, so, so yeah, it, it can be quite interesting when a client like that kind of automatically positions your brand uh, in a certain way or at a certain level that, that you almost hadn't actually intended. You know, I would, of course, love to be seen as luxury, but I'm, gonna, I'm needing to find ways to also communicate that I cater to, to all clientele as well. From your answer, I guess it sounds as if you're still 
maybe trying to figure out how to communicate that message. But what are some ways, I guess, you would say um, in terms of branding? What are some tips that you would give to somebody else that was wanting to go into the space that you're in, um, into diamonds, engagement rings, or just any sort of business? What are some tips that you've learned in your journey that would be beneficial for somebody else who's just starting out? Yeah, and you know, it comes back to our previous conversation. I would always encourage people to to harness the, the power of social media. You know, I've, we talked about you know sliding in the DMs. I've had a huge amount of business come into my diamonds business in the DMs. People sometimes don't even bother to, to use your email address anymore. They just want to come direct, find out, can you work with them? Can you create something? So, you know, the more consistent you are, and, and you know, I'm the first to admit that recently I've allowed that to slow down because of other priorities, but the more consistent you are with your brand messaging and, and communication, especially on social media, which gets directly to customers, uh, the more beneficial it will be. You know, I've paid for advertising a couple of times in, in newspapers or other publications and saw none of the benefit that, that I would have seen or have seen from just being consistent on socials. So definitely look at ways that you can just keep driving your social media exposure and reach. See if you can collaborate with other brands. That's something that I need to do in the coming months as well as part of growing my brand if I go down that road. Um, you know, collaboration is a great way to, to both benefit. So, you know, finding other businesses that have synergies with yours, especially if they have a good reach or a good uh, level of following as well. And tying yourselves in together, finding ways to collaborate, to cross-pollinate your, your following and cross-pollinate your potential clients can be great for reaching the maximum amount of people. Yeah, I love that last tip about collaborating with other businesses. Um, I think sometimes the initial instinct is to maybe collaborate or have social media influencers market for you, but actually putting aligning yourself with other businesses that have a similar clientele to yours can do wonders because they obviously then are aware of your brand and just as much as you can then use that to promote the other business as well so moving forward a little bit you've been in business for a few years now what is what are some things that you have experienced that you feel like you were potentially not prepared for or just kind of took you by surprise about running a business um nothing really <laughs> I think the thing was that I'd, I'd worked in in large businesses before um and I've always you know worked worked quite close to a management level or above um and so I've always understood the the difficulties of business you know the unexpected things that can happen, uh, the pitfalls that you just never expect. You know, I've seen all sorts of things happen in, in the places that I've worked and, and done business that, that genuinely nothing really, really surprises me. Um, the one thing I would say is that uh, I was having this conversation with, with someone yesterday, actually. And I think you sometimes have to be really careful the expectations that you place on other people especially when it's, it's, you know, your baby or your idea or your business, other people are not necessarily going to have the same level of motivation or the same level of engagement and, and uh, proactivity with things that, that you might have or that you might hope for. And to constantly live in a state of disappointment uh, with others because they're not 
doing or, or caring or putting the same in as you is not a great place to be. So, so yeah, my one thing is, is that I would definitely encourage people not to, not to expect too much, not, not to not expect much, but, but not to over expect from others who are, who are not necessarily always going to be bought in, in the same way, especially if they're not being paid. So yeah, it's, it's really important to manage your expectations of others, I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. So what else would you say you would have told yourself at the beginning of your business to maybe prepare yourself for the rest of the journey? Or just like a, a piece of advice that you would you would have told to somebody else? Yeah, I, I would maybe say that you can make any business, I think, as successful as you want it based on the time and energy and effort that you put in. Um, as if it's the right product, if it's the right positioning, you know, you need to get those things right. Um, but with the fundamentals in place, it's then for me, you've got a good foundation. You then need to put as much as you can. And, and that's coming from me who has not done that to be perfectly honest. You know, I think my businesses have way more potential than, than what they've done so far, but that's because I, I maybe like multitasking and I, I like to try multiple things at the same time I, I like to you know have different projects going on and what that then means from from my experience is that I don't necessarily put as much into uh, one specific thing as I could um, and I know that if I put more in then then they would have great potential for success so depending on your character I, I think that's, that can work well for people who are quite single-minded and, and want to attack one thing and one business and just go for it as much as they can. Uh, I, I really do think that, that the more time, the more energy, the more effort you put in, the more success you're going to see as long as you're building on, on good, solid, logical uh, business foundations. Um, so then I would then ask, because it's a good point that you raise, and I was reading a tweet by somebody yesterday who's also an entrepreneur, um, and they were saying that they... Are I'm guessing they were multitasking as well, but then what they did was just stop multitasking and just focusing on one one business. And they found that with putting all the effort and energy into that one business, they were able to scale it, they were able to grow the business, and they've seen exponential growth and success as a result. But I feel like a lot of us at the moment are juggling a lot of things and multitasking, whether that's working a full-time job and a side hustle or being parents and, you know, also running businesses from home and just trying to do so much. Do you feel like that could sometimes be detrimental to, to the success you potentially could see because your your attention is spread amongst several things at once? And I was going to say that, that it's also really important to look at how you spend your time. Um, because I remember I, I had a bit of a, a kind of personal audit in maybe 2018, 2019, and realised that the amount of time I was spending watching Netflix watching random TV shows, even watching live football, you know, as guys, we could easily, and girls, we can easily end up watching six to 10 hours of live football a week, uh, just because we find it entertaining. But actually, if you were to devote those six to 10 hours instead into developing your business or, or, or working on a new idea or pushing on something that you're doing elsewhere, you know, how we spend our time is, is so, so important. And the point you've just made is absolutely right. You know, if we really do focus in on one thing, it has huge potential, as I was saying. Um, at the same time, what, what I've personally landed on in the last probably four or five years is that I, I want to be doing things that I enjoy. 
I want to do, I want to put time and effort into things that I'm passionate about. You know, I think there has long been a, uh, a myth that, you know, the more success you have and the more money you make, then uh, the happier and, and more satisfied you're going to be in it absolutely wrong you know you can speak to any number of multi-millionaires who who have never reached that that level of life satisfaction despite having all the money that you would think would would be enough you know I, I massively find my satisfaction in my relationship with Jesus and those around me and my family um, and so that that you know immeasurable wealth has never been the objective um, and so when you talk about that balance with family and friends and not just putting everything into business, I actually think it's great to be able to strike a balance where you are investing and putting your time into a venture that you hope can do well and can secure your family and, and maybe create generational wealth or whatever it might be for you as a big objective. But what's the point in doing that if you're not actually enjoying the time with your loved ones, with your family? Um, and so I'm actually a huge believer in striking that balance between doing things you enjoy, doing things you're passionate about, trying to you know, generate some income and, and profit from them, whether they're work or business. Uh, but, but really at the core, it's got to be about where you find your true satisfaction, whether that's in your faith or whether that's in your family, um, uh, completely up to you. Um, but but I really actually think that we shouldn't lose focus of the need to be balanced in in how we spend our time and how we how we use our energies. Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree with you. I mean, it's it's great to be busy, booked and busy, and doing all of these other stuff, extracurricular activities and businesses and work. However, like what's it all for if you're not enjoying it? Like I always say, life is for enjoyment at the end of the day. Um, speaking of family, you started the Joshua Dogo Foundation. Tell me a bit more about that and how that was started and why it was started. The Joshua Dogo Foundation is a, a family charity that, that's really close to my heart. Um, my, my younger brother passed away uh, in 2015 at the age of 18. Um, so it was quite a sudden loss to the family and, and you know, very, very painful and very sad. But, but what actually brought us a huge amount of solace and a huge amount of joy in that period was we actually found out that he, would, he had you know, great friendships with his friends. He was very well loved at his school. Um, and, and he was known for being joyful and kind and, and giving and loving. And those are things that, that maybe don't get enough attention uh, in the world in general these days. And so we, we decided it would be, it would be nice to, to pursue a legacy for him that you know, really reinforces those values um, in the wider world, especially in our community, a couple of ways. There's a prize at his, his school, which is awarded to the student who displays those values and, and those ethics. Uh, we're, we're launching a scholarship which will support uh, a young African Caribbean student to do their A-levels at, at a top school as well with a view to giving them the best chance of going to a top university and, and launching their lives with, with an amazing career as well. Uh, and then alongside that, we hope to mentor and, and support and, and provide inspiration to many young people who maybe haven't got the breadth of contacts and, and network to even know about all the opportunities that are open to them in later life. You know, I saw a statistic that I think of all the thousands of occupations and professions that one could pursue in this country, uh, African-Caribbean 
youngsters especially only recognize about 30 percent of them because you know obviously they come in regular contact with doctors and lawyers and and policemen and things like that but but no one's ever introduced a young person to you know a quantitative surveyor or an actuary or, or even maybe an architect may, may never have crossed their path. So, so we really want to broaden the horizons of, of our young people so that they know that you can be whatever you want to be. Um, you just need to see someone who's, who's doing it or has done it. Um, and even if there isn't anyone who's done it who looks like you, just being aware of, of what could actually fit um, with your skills and talents and interests. Again, coming back to what we were talking about, doing what you're passionate about and what you genuinely enjoy. Um, then that's really our goal is, is to help raise and broaden aspirations for young people as well. Wow, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, firstly, I'm so sorry for your loss. I think it's beautiful that you turn something into something that's that will be positive for somebody else and it will impact someone else and potentially change their life. Someone once said this to me, they said, you don't know what you don't know in terms of, as we speak about, you know, you they recognize up to 30% of potential careers. Well, if they don't know the 70% exists, then how are they supposed to pursue it if, if they don't know it? So again, you don't know what you don't know and you are bringing it to light. What I absolutely admire is the impacting other people. Um, I think at, at the end of the day, that's something I'm really passionate about even if it's just one tiny step, one tiny action that you do that positively impacts somebody else, I think at the end of the day, like we are humans and that's what we we are here for, to make those connections and to support each other and help each other out. Um, how can people get involved to support you or give a helping hand to what you're already doing? Yeah, at Joshua Dorgu Foundation. So people can connect with us there and just give us a follow. Because as we, I mean, we've literally just launched, we, we had a, a fantastic launch event at the start of February on what would have been my brother's 25th birthday, actually. Um, and we raised over 25,000 pounds. So, so we, you know, we're off to a great start, um, uh, which especially when you were doing the event over Zoom, I, I was actually quite surprised. I really didn't expect that much response, but it was great. That's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, but going forward, anyone following us will, will see our social posts. They'll, they'll receive our emails if they, if they leave their email on our mailing list as well. And we're going to be reaching out for mentors, potential mentors to come into to our virtual events or into our virtual careers days and things like that to, to again, introduce young people to, to opportunities that they've never thought about before. We're also always looking for donations, never a problem, see more donations. Um, and we're going to be reaching out to, to corporate sponsors as well. So if you think you can support us or help us with any of those three things, uh, please do um, hit up the Instagram, give us a follow and, and watch out for more information in the coming weeks and months. Okay, that is perfect. Um, and again, I absolutely, I mean, you are doing so much, but I'm so touched by the work you are doing for the Joshua Dogger Foundation. So for the listeners, make sure to check out their Instagram and support them in any way that you can, whether that's sending it to somebody that you know could lend a helping hand or be a mentor um, to other young people. I think that would be super dope. Um, but okay, so before I let you go, we are going to do a quick fire round game of this or that. Um, so it's just five questions, but you have to answer them as quick as possible and with, without thinking, overthinking it. Okay, so love or money? 
love. 200 million for yourself or eradicate world hunger? Eradicate world hunger. A Lamborghini or 10,000 pounds business loan? <laughs> 10,000 pounds business loan. Why, why, why do I feel like you wanted to say Lamborghini, but you were like a... Uh, you, know, you know what? I'm one of the biggest car geeks you'll ever meet. Like cars for me are, are yeah, enjoyable. But but then I stopped and, and thought, you know, a Lamborghini is not, well, apart from the, the four by four, a Lamborghini is actually very impractical in London. I drive around London a lot. So I would actually rather the £10,000 loan grow it to uh, purchase a Lamborghini. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Jump to being 50 years old with 20 million or start your life again with the knowledge you have now. Start life again. Okay, interesting. Free travel forever. Come on. <laughs> so free travel forever or free food wherever you go all around the world at any time that you want. Free travel, way more expensive. True, true. Well, Thank you so much. That is it for my game. I appreciate you um, talking to me and sharing your story with me and dropping all your knowledge. It's been super, super interesting talking to you. And where can we find you? Where can we stalk you? Where can we buy your diamonds? All of the good stuff. Sure. If you go to my one page, Timmy underscore Dorgu, um, all of my uh, links are on there. My diamonds business is Diamonds by Dorgu. Uh, and of course, the Joshua Dorgan Foundation as well. So they're all on Instagram, uh, which is the best way to connect with us. Uh, so yeah, find, find me there. Okay. And all his information will be in the description box, his Instagram handles, website, all of that good stuff where you can find him. And that is it for this episode. Until the next time. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure you go back, listen to the old episodes, follow me on social media so you're up to date whenever I upload a new episode and subscribe for automatic updates. I'll catch you on the next episode.